Good morning, church. Uh, it is great to be with you this morning. Um, last week, we had a, a special guest. <laughs> Pastor Matt from uh, Sebring came, um, and he was with you, uh, and shared a little bit of some, some um, shifts in thinking that we've been going through uh, over the last, uh, really, more than a year. Um, does anybody feel like we live in a different world than we did in January of 2020? Yeah, a couple of people. Yes, okay. I see some very fervent head nods. Um, it's funny. Typically, if if uh, as a church we set aside the first Sunday of the year to um, reflect on how God has been working with us in the past year, and to spend some time looking forward at. Uh, what we anticipate perhaps God is leading us towards in the next year. So we usually set aside the first Sunday of the year in January for that. And I can remember preparing for that Sunday, and there were really only a couple of things that I felt like were really things that we needed to be focused on for the year. And the first was that I, it really seemed to me like our first calling as a church here um, at this location inheriting the blessings that we've inherited of this building, which has been paid for by another generation, um, where you have this building and we enjoy this building mortgage-free, sitting on 10 acres here in beautiful Silver Springs, right across the street from a park. Like God has obviously richly provided for us to be able to gather together in an air-conditioned space in a beautiful setting. So what, like this was my question, why are we here? Why are we here? What is, why do we have this address? What has God been preparing before? Like, what is, what is the thing that we are supposed to be doing? And I wasn't sure how to answer that question. And so as we made this turn into this year, the only, the, the big thing that I really felt like was important for us to focus on is praying for our neighbors. Like, we are here in this community, we are surrounded by neighborhoods, we're surrounded by communities, we are here at this location for something, and perhaps it's just that we might serve our neighbors, and so I invited you, I challenged you at the beginning of the year, and it feels like 10 years ago now, doesn't it, um, that would you please join me in praying for our neighbors, would you pray for the community that's around us at least once a day, is that a reminder on your phone, um, do something to just continually be reminded that, hey, like that building is there for a reason. I'm part of that congregation for a reason, and I'm there to, to serve those people. And so that's why we went ahead and even covered over the sign that's out front. Um, our name is barely on that sign. The sign is really just a message to the community that we are here, but we're not here for us. We are here for them, and we're praying for them. We, don't, we may or may not know them. Some of them we do know. Some of them are here this morning. Um, and, but whether we know them or not, we want to be praying for them. We want for God to be working in their lives in whatever sense that may be. And that was really the big direction that I had for us going into this year. Um, it's kind of simple. At the time, I remember being really underwhelmed 
by the vision. Like you're supposed to, I'm supposed to, as like the church leader, I'm supposed to like get up and give you a big vision for what it looks like to, to go into the year and it's a brand new year, like happy new year. We're going forward and we're going we're gonna to take this hill. And all I had was I really would just like for you guys to pray for people. And I felt underwhelmed by that. Um, and I'm really thankful I didn't have a big grand scope of how we were going to like quadruple in size and we were going to start a building project and all like that, like, which isn't really my thing anyway. But uh, it was like I, I remember watching or I remember having some conversations with pastors in the last couple of months that say, yeah, I don't even want to listen to what I said in January um, because none of us knew what 2020 would hold for us. Um, we've, we've seen some unprecedented things, uh, global pandemic, responses to a global pandemic, how that works out uh, on the street level, how that works out on the national level, how that works out on the international level. There are questions that we've become accustomed to asking ourselves that had never crossed our mind before this year. It is now normal for us to consider, do I need to cover my face before I walk into this building? Which was never something you thought about before. Like, unless, I don't know, maybe you have a history of robbing banks, in which case that might be something that you're asking yourself as you walk into a building. Um, but for, okay, all right, all right. Sarah, you're good. Love you, girl. Um, but that's not a question, that wasn't even part of, it wasn't even a consideration. And now it's an everyday question for us. And so I'm really thankful to God that I, he gave me something that was underwhelming for me, but which has, I think, shaped who I am, has, has, has shifted my focus, has allowed me to not be so focused on me and what I'm doing, but to consider how all of these big things are shifting around, how they affect the people around me, not just how they affect me. For instance, I have a really great internet connection at home. And I live just across uh, baseline. We're, just, we're right around the corner. And we've got great internet. Um, the church building here has fiber optic internet. It's the best internet that's available on the market. And the reason why we paid for that line to get run out here when we first started in 2014 is we thought if we bring fiber optic here this far and we're surrounded by these neighborhoods, then we will be able to bless our neighbors by giving them fiber optic, except that they ran it out to us because we are a business and they are not selling to residential areas. So it's here, it's close, we got it this far, but it's, everybody around us is still functionally uh, on dial-up or, or poor connections. Um, and so when we were coming through, as we were navigating the pandemic, one of the questions we were asking is like, how are we serving our neighbors? And as I was interacting with our neighbors and people on the streets that surround this building, the thing that they kept saying, I kept saying, like, we're doing a live stream, we're meeting on Zoom, we're still connecting, the community is not gone, even though we can't gather in the building. And they say, that's great, except I, I, I can't use my bandwidth to join that. Like, I've only got a limited number of bandwidth, or I don't have any, I don't have a computer, I don't have a phone. It's like, okay, so... If we are here for our neighbors, then how do we do that? And so that is why we have chosen to gather together. We have been meeting together in person. We're still doing the live streams with the people that have that. But now we have an avenue to invite our neighbors to worship Jesus together with us. And we're continuing to be cautious. We're all still wearing masks um, because... Frankly, I'm not smart enough to know how best to do this. So we're going to be, we're going to err on the side of caution. And you guys have been great. And we've walked together through this a year that we didn't anticipate. 
And if you've been walking with us through this, here's, 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 uh, here's where I want to get to. If you've been walking here with us uh, for any number of time, my suspicion is maybe there's a corner of your mind where you've looked around and gone, man, like nothing is the same. Uh, even the little bit of momentum we had at the beginning of the year seems like it's fall, fallen off. People aren't gathering in the room. Um, the building hasn't changed. There's weeds in the sidewalk. Like, what is God doing? Like, am I wasting my time with this body? Like, it just seems like everything's kind of off the rails. Um, I see some shaking hands. That's encouraging to me that that's not been a thought. That has been a thought for me occasionally through this year, that maybe it seems like nothing is happening. But what I would like to share with you this morning, the reason why we've set aside this time uh, as this very brief two-week sermon series called Horizons, the reason we've set aside this time is because there, COVID has been an unexpected blessing for us. Not, not the disease, not that people are suffering, not that people have died. That is not what I mean at all. But that we have taken this emphasis for us, which was the regular gathering together and making sure that Sunday mornings happen. That, that pausing for a brief time helped us help to afford us some energy to do some work in the background that's really going to help us going forward and i i don't normally get to share those things with you so what i'd like to do is kind of open up the hood for you this morning share some things that are going on with the organization with grace as a a body and some things about what you can expect next Um, because i think it's important i think and honestly i think it's going to be encouraging to you that's my hope this morning so if you're a guest with us and all of this is just greek like this is a a brief intro to where we're at and where we're planning to go Um, if you've been with us for a a long time like this is okay this is what we have been doing and this is where we're going to put our energy going forward okay but i'd like to do that by looking at the words of jesus because i'm kind of fond of him and i think he's got some good things to share with us Um, So I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to flip there myself. If you want to use the blue Bibles, they should be tucked under the chairs in front of you or under your chair, Matthew chapter 5. And in the blue blue Bibles, the blue Bibles, it's on page 1010, 1010. This is a passage, uh, that, this is a sermon that Jesus preached that um, he preached for several days. Uh, it's kind of a conference that he gave, and we call it the Sermon on the Mount. And is probably one of the first extended teachings that Jesus gave that his disciples were familiar, that became familiar with. And this is probably something that he repeated regularly through his ministry. But we just have it recorded, the ones here Um, And maybe another time in Luke, they call it the Sermon on the Plain. See, (laughs) they named the sermons by where they happened, uh, not necessarily by what the content was. So this is the Sermon on the Mount. He's on the side of a mountain so that people can hear him. And this was probably words that he repeated a number of times through his ministry. And he gives a vision for the world, and he gives a vision for the future that is both encouraging and incredibly challenging. And I invite you to read with me. In verse 1, Matthew chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs 
is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. I'm going to pause there. This picture that Jesus teaches here, and one that I think he likely repeated a couple of times throughout his ministry, goes where we don't expect it to go. He highlights not the great and the powerful and the things that, and the people that have their act together. He, he says that it is blessed to be poor in spirit, blessed to be in mourning. It is blessed to be meek and to, to be in hunger and, and thirst for righteousness. These, these things that we, that we consider as kind of casualties from being in the world. Like if I'm in a, in a season of mourning, uh, I can relate to this, uh, having just lost my father. If I'm in a season of mourning, I can consider myself to be operating out of a weak place to not be firing on on all cylinders and to not be as clear-headed as I thought I was because I have this grief that's in my heart that I'm trying to process. um, And I can think, like, this is not a blessed time. This is is a cursed time. This is a time where I'm struggling. This is a time where it's difficult. And Jesus' words are the, no, that season of mourning, it's a blessed time. The things that are broken in the world... I'm coming to fix. And so if you find yourself interacting with the brokenness, know that I'm there with you. This isn't a message that we hear repeated very often. And there's a lot of things I could say that I think would be distracting to the point. We all hear lots of messages over and over. We are are victims of advertising of all kinds. But this message is not the one that's resounding in our ears. The one that we hear beat over and over in our culture is we need more strength, we need more power, we need more money, we need more stuff, we need more, we need more, we need more, we need more. And Jesus' message simply was, you're blessed. Because when you're suffering, I am near to you. And so I wonder what our neighborhoods would look like if they heard this message. And this was the one that rang in their ears. And this was the one that reverberated in their hearts, that when they got punched in the gut, these were the words that came out. I wonder 
what that would look like. And that really is what I would like for us to be able to see. Like, individually, when you come to suffering, and each of us comes in our own way on our own day, I had a teacher who put it this way. Uh, he's, he said, whenever we would, he, he had, or I'll tell you, he had a really unfair way of doing tests. The way that he would do tests is that he would give us a list of probably 50 questions. And he'd say, these are the questions that are on the test. Um, I will ask you two of them. And when I ask you those questions, you will take the first question and I will give you a book of paper, and you will just write to me everything you can remember about how to answer that question. And then you go to the second question, and you'll just write everything you can. So if you only knew a couple of things about the question that he asked, like you'd write that down, and that's, that's your test. But if you knew a bunch, then you could, fill the, like you could write a dissertation on it. So he's like, these are the 50 questions I'm going to ask you. I'm, I could ask you. I'm only going to ask you two of them, and you need to be able to write as much as you can about the questions that I ask. Uh, and as a college student, I can remember thinking, this guy is from Satan. He is an instrument of the devil, and I am not appreciative of this. And in, in his response to that weeping and gnashing of teeth that was occurring within my heart at that time, he said, listen, you don't know what's in a tea bag until you put it in hot water. He said, it's great. You might have all the information, but I don't know that until I put you into hot water. The things that, that come out of you when you are your most stressed, the things that come out of you when you are in the most frustrating situations, the things that come out of you when you're pressed, when you're in hot water, that's what's really there. And oftentimes I'm sorry for the things I said when I'm angry. And I like to think, I like to think that that's not actually me. But when we get in the hot water, we know what's actually in our hearts. And so it's easy on a Sunday morning to read the words of Jesus, blessed are the poor in spirit for those of the kingdom of heaven, and go, yeah, sure, that's great. But like, I really, those, those people who are just down and out, those people who are broken, those people who just can't get their lives together, like, I really don't have time for those people. Like, they're, they're just kind of a distraction. They're, they're a burden on me. Like, hey, maybe not. And so my hope for us as individuals is that when we come into hot water, when we come to that time of trusting, that these are the things that come out of us, that we look like Jesus, that we identify with him. So I told you I was going to tell you about the church. Like, one of the things that is something we don't talk about a ton, but something that I think you probably ought to be aware of, is that we are actually a ministry of another congregation. Um, Pastor Matt was here from Sebring last week. And I guess we're at 15 years ago now. 15 years ago now, that, that congregation decided that, or they heard that the congregation who was in this building at the time was prepared and under contract to sell this building to a funeral home. They were going to call it quits. They were going to close the church. They were going to sell the property, and that was it. And so the church, that broke the church in Sebring's heart, and they said, we really want for this to continue to be a, a light for the gospel in this community. Like, please don't sell the building. Let us help you. And they didn't know what they were signing up for. They did that 15 years ago. Matt shared last week that they've spent um, close to a quarter million dollars 
supporting the things that have been going on here over the last 15 years uh, between here and Lakeland. And like it's been a cost to them, but they really wanted to invest in what the gospel was doing here. And so we here are able to enjoy the blessings of what has happened there. But as I consider what I'd like for us to be individually, like I also have to consider what it looks like for us to be as a community. As a community, I'd like for these words of Jesus to be transformative to us, but I'd like to see them transform our neighbors here in Ocala, but in Sebring as well, and, and, and in Lakeland. And this is a thing that, that for a long time, the plan was, here's the plan. And I don't know if you picked up on this and what Matt was saying last week. The plan was Sebring would get Ocala shored up. They would, they would get us to the place where we were self-sufficient, and then they'd send us on our way. They'd let us go off and do, the, do our own thing, and we're not beholden to them. We don't owe them anything. Like, we're our own church because now we're, we're self-sufficient. And what has changed in the last couple of months is we've realized, and this is something I do know you picked up from what Matt said last week, what we have realized in the last year or so is that we are stronger together. That this idea of splitting apart and separating and us being on our own, like, we can do more. We can work better. We will have a better return for our work if we continue to work together. And so that goal of separating ourselves and being independent uh, is, is one we've kind of laid aside. Like, that's, that's not our priority right now. If we really want to see Florida and these counties that we're in transformed by Jesus, like, we will be able to do that as we, better as we work together as three church families sharing the same mission. And so that is one of the things that we've been working on in the midst of this time that we've set aside. Turn over the next page into chapter 6. And this is something that's going to be familiar to you. But Jesus puts feet on, this is a, real, this is a three chapter long sermon that Jesus gives, and I'm just going to hop through it. But in, in chapter 6, he gives instructions for how to pray. If you want to be shaped by these things, um, the, the spiritual term, the theological term is these beatitudes, the blessedness. For to be shaped by these things, like what does that look like in your relationship with God? And in verse 9, he instructs them to pray like this. So I'm going to ask us to pause. I normally do this at the beginning, but I'm going to ask us to pause right now in the middle of this. Having heard what we've heard so far, would you pray together with me the disciples' prayer? And the words are right here on the page in front of you. Um, and these aren't like magic words, but they are a model that show the heart that believers, that, that Christ followers are to have when they come to God. Would you pray together with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. His kingdom come, and his will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. What do we need for today? And sometimes I feel presumptuous. Like I told you when I started, like I was asking God, like, what are we here for? What am I supposed to be doing this year? Like, where are we going? Like, I need something to, to shoot for. And he's like, yeah, just pray. I'm like, 
yeah, but like, I, I, need, I need more. And he's like, yeah, just, just, just pray. What you need this year is to be in prayer. And as underwhelmed as I was in January, when it came to March, and April, and May, and June, and July, I thought, oh gosh. I thank you that you made it so that really the only one that I'm relying on is you. You're the one that I'm coming to. You are my daily bread. Would you forgive me And would you help me to have a heart that's forgiving towards others? And this is the part of the prayer that I would rewrite. I don't know about you, but like if I if if I could tell Jesus what to say, this is the one that I would change. Because I want I want for God to forgive me the way that God forgives me. I want him to forgive me with the heart and the love that he has. I don't want him to forgive me the way that I forgive other people, because I'm not that great at it. And yet he invites us, he says, Hey, let's let's make this real, real. If you want to talk about having a relationship with me. If you want to talk about following me, like the thing that I do is forgiving, so put your own neck on the line. What if the measure that you measure to other people is measured back to you? Would you forgive me the way that I forgive other people? So then lead us not into temptation. (laughs) Deliver us from evil. And that has been so refreshing to me in this, this season of uh, not knowing what's next, not knowing how things are going to shake out, not knowing <laughs> what the next crisis is. Remember, like, murder hornets? <laughs> I don't know how God delivered us from that. That could have been real bad. <laughs> I joke. But seriously, like, this is, this is the vision. And again, like, you're like, okay, that's church stuff, Michael. That's real underwhelming. But if this is what comes out of us when we're put into hot water, imagine how weird we will be to our neighbors. If you're the only calm person in the room when there's a crisis, people are attracted to that. When you're the only person who, like, has peace when the world blew up, What is going on with you? (laughs) And so while it's simple, while it's kind of easy on a Sunday morning after I've taken a shower and put a collared shirt on, like I really think that this is his desire for us walking through the week. I read a book a number, uh, it's probably been a number of years ago now, and I don't necessarily recommend it to everybody to read. I don't necessarily agree with it very much. Um, but God used it with me in a very special way. The book was called Living Forward by a guy named Michael Hyatt. And I'm not saying I recommend it, but I'm just letting you know where I got the information. I read that book, and it led me into a deep existential crisis, which is a big word for saying I spun into a deep spiral of what is going on with me. Am I wasting my life? And do I, does anything I do have any meaning? Like, does, my, does it matter that I go to work? Does it matter that I take care of my family? Like, what am I doing? Like, and you can hear this sometimes in Ecclesiastes, which is probably why it's my favorite book. But I read this book, and I, I spun in this existential crisis, and, and it started, it, he starts the book with, with this. He said, consider your funeral. What are people going to say about you when you're gone? So you can probably, you might be able to guess some of that. He says, what do you want for people to say about you when you're gone? And if there's a discrepancy, 
the, the temptation for us is to say, well, I, if there's a discrepancy, then I need a better like public relations campaign. <laughs> If there's a discrepancy between what people are gonna say and what I want for them to say, then I need to like, I need to polish up the outside. I need to make sure that people think better about me than they already do. And he, he, makes, this, he makes this point, I don't know if he makes it or not. The thing that I drove away from it with was this. It doesn't matter whether you have a good PR campaign, a public relations campaign, it doesn't matter if your advertising is good if you don't actually have the qualities you're advertising. It was, it doesn't matter what people think about you if what they think about you is a lie and you know it. That the thing that we need to invest in is our character and who we are, and the rest of it sorts itself out. And either you live knowing that what you're projecting is a lie or you develop a good character, you, you develop, you walk with Jesus, and such that when people are at your funeral, if they say things about you that are not true about your character, then they are the ones who are living with the lie. It's not you anymore. And that's a, that's a different problem. That's somebody else's lane. That's something that the Holy Spirit's going to have to work with them on. And I say all that to say, like, when we put a sign out that says we're praying for our community, it doesn't, like, it doesn't matter if that's a nice sentiment. I don't care if anybody believes that we actually pray for it. I care about whether or not we actually pray for them. Because whether I put this, if I am praying for our neighborhood, then whether I put the sign up out there or not, they're going to find out. I run into these people. <laughs> it's interesting. It actually happened yesterday. Uh, I met a lady who I had met before. We'd crossed paths a little bit. And she says, oh, this is my neighbor. She lives across the street from me. And I said to her, oh, you have that long bench swing with the really nice flower bushes. And she's like, yeah. Like, you stalking me? Like, how do you know? I said, no, 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 no. It's, I mean, it's weird. But it's not, like, weird in the way that you think it. Like, I, I've actually been praying for you. And, like, I'm really excited to meet you. Like, how is your family? And, uh, like, to be able to have that interaction is a lot better than like, yeah, we're the church with the sign about praying for people and I actually haven't been out there praying for you. You know what I'm saying? If you have the character, it doesn't matter what the PR is. And so that's what I want for our focus to be. That's why we pray together the Lord's Prayer. Why does it matter? Why do you care? Can I show you the scariest Bible passage in Scripture? Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. Beware false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, lest you'll recognize them by their fruits. That's not the scary one. That's pretty easy. That's the intro to the scary passage. But that's pretty easy to get. That's exactly the point I just made. That, that, that your character is what grows out of you, and the fruit that you have is, is the thing that matters. Right? We get that. There are people with really great PR campaigns that are terrible people. And we, we, we sniff them out eventually. But like, we're, we get that. That's not surprising. 
right? Here's the scary passage. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. This is, for me, the scariest passage in Scripture. There are really good people who've been in church their whole life who could answer every question on a doctrinal theology exam perfectly. They could pass Dr. Fowler's exams. You put them in hot water and all those answers would just flow out. Like they know the right stuff. If you ask them how you're saved, they would know that salvation is found only in the name of Jesus by grace alone, through faith alone. They know those words. They would say Jesus is Lord and yet on the last day they're going to come face to face with him and he's going to say, who are you again? I don't know you. And that for me is the the scariest thing, that we together could live our whole lives together. We could be in this church. We could be reading the Word of God. We could think that we are learning and growing and walking with Jesus and at the end be surprised to find out that He doesn't even know our name. I don't know what to do with that. Like, as a pastor, as somebody who wants to lead people, like, there's times where I just got to say, God, I trust you. Like, I don't get it. I don't know what the answer is, but I'm going to trust that you're doing what you got to do. But I don't, church, I don't want for us to show up at the gates on the last day and for Jesus not to know who you are the worst thing as a pastor, the worst thing would be for you to show up at the gates of heaven and say, I was part of Grace Church. Like, Pastor Michael was great. I love that guy. Like, he preaches so good. Like, I love being there. And Josh was leading music. And I sang. And I felt feelings when I was in that room. And it seemed like the Spirit, like, it seemed like you were there. You were in the room, weren't you, God? Like, don't you remember? And then we were serving our neighbors. We were out cutting their grass. And we were taking care of their lawn. And we didn't ask for anything in return. And they were like, man, your church is so great. And, like, we want to be a part of that. And there were people engaged with that. Like, God, like, Jesus, you were there. Like, don't you remember me? And he's like, I don't know who you are. And so aside from all the organization, aside from all the things that are going on, like my heart for you isn't that you become a part of Grace Church and that you become invested in this ministry. If you become invested in Grace Church and you miss Jesus, then I have failed you. Our mission isn't to build a great building. Our mission isn't to have a great Facility. Our mission isn't to have bigger offering numbers. Our mission is to invite our neighbors not to come to church. Our mission is to invite our neighbors to meet and follow Jesus. Which implies two things. One, that we know who we're introducing them to. Wouldn't it be a shame if I introduced you to somebody that I didn't know? And 
And second is that you're excited enough about Jesus to want to introduce him to other people. I long to see the gospel of Jesus transform Florida, Marion County, and, and, and Highlands County. Like, I, I want to see that happen. I want, I'm willing to work together with the crazy guys in Sebring to make that happen. But I also want to clearly, like, redefine Jesus in the hearts of our neighbors. Because there are people who know his name. There are people who would call him Lord. There are people who would say, I know what the plan of salvation is, and he doesn't know them. which means I've got to do some redefining. I've got to ask some hard questions. I've got to get to know people. I've got to let them get to know me. So while COVID has seemed like it stopped the world, it has actually given us space to be able to work on getting clarity about what that is and how it is that we're going to move forward. So I've had the privilege um, and, 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 and the COVID thing and suddenly everything is digital has allowed me to, to collaborate with the team in Sebring in a way that we haven't before. And so we are in the process, we've been in the back rooms working on what does this actually look like? How do we do this? And, and there are things that we are creating that are really going to help us move forward. And I just want you to know that. If it feels like maybe nothing's happening, it's like... It, it's like this. All right. Um, when you have people coming over for dinner, what's the one thing you never have enough of? Food. Okay. Space. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Chairs. Chairs. <laughs> for me, and maybe you're like me, the thing I never, when I've got people coming over to my house, the thing I never have enough of is time. Like, I don't have enough time. Like, I still have to, I have to go get the chairs. I have to, to clean the house. I've got, to, I've got to get the kids' toys up from underneath people's chairs. I've got to actually cook the food, which I actually am not all that great at doing. Like, thank God for Jesse. But, like, like and then the food's got to be ready on time. Like, when people are coming, the thing that I never have enough of is time. Because when I've invited people over, I want to, like, have things done and ready for them to, to be able to invite them into something. And the thing that has happened for us as a church with the COVID thing is that God has just given us a time. He put everything on pause and said, hey, you've got time. You've got time to get things ready. You've got time to set the table. You've got time to clean up the things, uh, clean up the corners. You've got time to invest in the character that you need for what I have next for you. And I wish I could give you a clear picture of what that looks like. But all I have is what he's given me. Pray for your neighbors and be the church, be the people that you want for people to say you are. Don't tell them what you are. Be what you are. And then it's on them if they want to live with a lie. Does that make sense? That's the horizon. That's looking forward. I really just want to follow Jesus. And I think that us doing that together is a Beautiful thing. Hard. Difficult. Like, I'm sorry y'all have to deal with me. I would much rather you had somebody better. I'm sorry. Like, it's hard. It's sticky. It gets uncomfortable. But golly, it's beautiful. If it was clean and polished and, and, and chromed out, like, it'd be nice. But I don't think it'd be beautiful. 
But when Jesus is working in each of our hearts and drawing us closer to him and we're moving together and we're inviting our neighbors to meet and follow him, like that is beautiful. And that's the thing that I'm excited about. Would you pray together with me? God, you're good. And there's a sense in which um, there's a sense in which we didn't get to choose when we were born. We just found ourselves alive in the world and had to figure out how to deal with it. And there are circumstances that have led us to being in this location. There are circumstances that have led us to being in this building together, to be, to be being made a church and belonging together. There are, are, are saints that are not in this room to whom we are indebted. The generation of the congregation in Ocala beforehand that made the decision not to sell. The saints in Sebring, many of whom are passed away now, who decided that we were gonna, they were going to invest in the work that God was doing here. And now for us in the room with the relationships and the neighbors... Yeah, we just want to be faithful to you in the moment that you've given to us. You've entrusted us with representing you. And so Lord, I pray that you would give us the bravery to do the hard work of becoming who you want for us to be. And that is not something we do by ourselves. That is not us pulling up our bootstraps and trying harder to be righteous people. That is acknowledging openly and freely that we are sinners and we don't deserve it. But it's your kingdom and your will that's being done. That you have redeemed us and bought us and forgiven our sins and now you're inviting us to walk with you. God, if we don't know you yet, Would you help us to know you? With what we know about you, God, would you help us to know you intimately? The difference between a Facebook profile and a deep friendship. Help us to know more than facts, but help us to know your person. You're good. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.